you've worked hard to build your business, and now it's time to grow. Welcome to the Multiply Your Success Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team and a serial entrepreneur. And the purpose of our podcast is to give you a weekly dose of inspiration and education to help you multiply your success. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you enjoy your honey-do lists that keep you busy on the weekend. And I'm also wondering if you've ever thought about ways to try to monetize doing those honey-do lists. And our guest today, Brian Clayton, did just that. He took an every week household chore and turned it into a thriving $20 million enterprise, and it's still growing. And Brian, who joins us today, has bootstrapped and built two different companies, and he shares with us his journey and his process and some of the things he's learned along the way and going through that. So let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Brian Clayton. Thanks for having me on, Tom. So I'm Brian Clayton. I'm CEO, co-founder of a company called GreenPal. And so GreenPal is the Uber, but for lawn mowing. So if you're a homeowner and you don't want to mow your own yard rather than like calling around on Craigslist or Yelp or Facebook, you can just download our app. You get hooked up with a great lawn mowing service in a few minutes. Uh, I guess you could say we're like a nine-year overnight success. We've been at this for almost a decade. Uh, now we're nationwide in the United States, a few hundred thousand people using that. Wow. That's incredible. So uh, of all things, the Uber for kind of this landscaping, lawn mowing, lawn care kind of uh, industry here. So how do you end up in this space? What leads you here? Yeah, I think uh, if you're starting a tech company, particularly inventing a new product from scratch that doesn't exist, it can help to be solving your own problem. And so for me, my first business that I ever started was a lawn mowing business. I started mowing grass in high school and all throughout college and, and over a 15 year period of time, uh, built one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, eventually getting my little lawn mowing business over 150 employees, uh, grow, grew it to over $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, that business was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. And so growing that from just me and a push mower to me and like 150 people, I learned a lot about the landscaping business, how it works and how to grow a business. And when I sold that company, I, I retired. I didn't have to work anymore. It was nice, but I got bored. I thought, okay, what now? Uh, well, I'm going to start a tech company because that should be pretty easy. And uh, luckily I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, so the idea for, for Uber for lawn mowing was one that I kind of had in the back of my head. I, and I thought, well, you know, somebody's going to do it. Might as well be me and recruited two co-founders and we went to work and that's how we got to where we are. And and uh, it was 10 times harder than I ever thought it would ever be. But, you know, that's that uh, naivete can be an asset sometimes. And certainly it was for me when I got started on this company. Wow. Well, and thank you for sharing that uh, nice overview. And as as you were about going into your background and getting into it, I was wondering, did you have a tech background beforehand or how you came into it? So you were really coming in from kind of that a, a technician that started a business. So you were in the field, you were already operating, knew what, what had gone on and grew the business. And one of the reasons I was excited to have you on is you've, you've gone through this process of kind of bootstrapping multiple businesses now and growing them significantly. So I'd love to talk about when you started each of these different companies, were there any things that you noticed that were consistent as you started your first into your second, and maybe something um, to share with the audience on some of that? 
Yeah. So uh, my first company, you know, was a traditional blue collar type of business, very much in the trenches, hand to hand combat, you know, and, and I learned a lot about the basics of what it means to start and scale a business growing that company. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about a service-based business, like a lawn mowing business or home cleaning service or whatever, is that you can learn 90% of business in a very traditional, uh, approachable uh, type of business. And so I, I, that was really helpful for me when I built that first company. Then I sold it and I thought that I knew everything there was to know about business. I kind of like had this like chip on my shoulder and boy, I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, you know, so starting green Pal, there's a couple of things that kind of kind of took me by surprise. One is the technology execution piece of it was a, was a lot harder than I ever thought it was going to be. And uh, I was quickly confronted with the reality that if my co-founders and I were going to build the Uber for lawn mowing, we were going to have to learn how to write software. And so we quickly uh, came to that realization and started working on the business, in the business, and on ourselves all at the same time. And so if you're you know, if you're trying to start a new business from scratch, that's one of the cool things about it. It's going to cause you to level up and learn things you never in a million years would have ever learned. And that certainly was the case for us. We had to teach ourselves how to write software and how to build software, even to play this game. And, uh, and, and so that was one of the, the challenging aspects of it that I didn't learn in the first kind of act of my, my, my entrepreneurial journey that, that kind of took me by surprise. But, you know, uh, I just, we celebrated the small wins. We, we, we talked to our customers and we just set little small goals and kept going uh, over a long period of time. And it was just kind of that perseverance that got us through the first three or four years and, until we got our first, you know, 100,000 and 10,000 customers. Okay. And, and thank you. And, and I'm wondering too, is you've taken multiple companies now from the startup to many employees, you said 150 and, and eventually being bought out. And now the growth of what you're doing here, where you have probably staff and you're trying to, you have a, multiple customers you're going after in this kind of business. You have the actual customer using your app and booking the service, but then you also have to be recruiting in these uh, other uh, lawn care companies or landscaping companies to come in to actually fulfill that service. So talk a little bit about that uh, dichotomy. And, you know, you really have multiple companies or uh, customers that you're going after. Yeah, it's one of the challenging things about building a multi-sided marketplace like what we have. You really do have two customers and they kind of sometimes have opposite uh, desires and, and, and opposite uh, motivating factors. And so we had to we had to figure out how to strike that delicate balance between what homeowners need and what uh, business owners need to, to run a profitable business. And it took a long time. Uh, it took a long time to figure out how to build a product that consumers love to use and how to build a product that really helped lawn mowing services grow their landscaping company. And that's why we stayed just in Nashville, Tennessee for four years until we really figured out how to, how to build an experience that delighted consumers and helped service providers grow their business. Uh, it wasn't in the, until then that we then began to move into other cities throughout the United States. And so we have a motto, nail it, then scale it. And it took us a long time to nail it. And, and I don't think there's any any reason to go wide until you have figured it out. And, and that was kind of a strategy that paid off for us because then when we decided to move into other cities, we were able to move very quickly. And being bootstrapped helped us as well because it kind of like that, that old uh, adage, necessity is the mother of invention, really was true with us. We had to focus on one thing, and that was our users. We had to focus on the landscaping professionals that use the product. Were they making more money? Were they uh, able to, to, to make more money with less hassle than before? And then were consumers delighted by it? Were they 
continually using it after they use it the first time. And after we, until we figured that out, then we started to grow faster. But if we had raised venture capital, it probably would have forced us to move too quick. And, and we kind of would have blown apart by the seams. Uh, you see a lot of companies try to scale too quickly before they have it figured out, before they have it dialed in. And luckily, because we bootstrapped, we we had one only one choice. It's like, we have 100 customers. we got to keep them happy. we got to figure out how to get it to 1,000 customers. Now we got to figure out how to get it to 10,000. And so that kind of slow and low approach is it was kind of key to our success and still is. Yeah, and and it's it's interesting, and I'm wondering too about the what you, when when you talked about getting feedback from your customers or get, going through and and then incorporating that. I'm just curious how what what processes you went through, or if there's any kind of system or process that you used in doing that. Yeah, it, it certainly has evolved uh, over time and evolved over the years. As as you you have a hundred customers, it's you don't don't overthink it. You put your cell number on everything. You know, you literally put your cell phone number at the bottom of the email. You literally have your cell phone number on the screen. Uh, it's just a hundred people. You want them to call you. And I see this mistake made by a lot of new founders is that they want to hide behind the screen. They want to. They don't really want to confront that customer feedback. Uh, because it's painful, you know. They're, you know, the the marketplace doesn't care. It's going to tell you where you suck, and you have to listen to that because that's your R and D. That's how you really understand what you need to be focusing your firepower on. And uh, I, it's just a common mistake I see a lot of new founders make. So for us in the early days, it was we removed all the friction between us and our customer. We made it really easy for them to talk talk to us. We made it really easy for them to call us or talk to us in live chat or email seven days a week, 20 hours a day, because that was how we knew what we needed to focus on. That was how we knew where we needed to prioritize our limited resources. Then as time went on, you know, as we scaled out the team, we have full-time service, customer service people. I still do at least an hour a day of, of customer support because there's this phenomenon that occurs as a business grows. There's a gap between founder logic and customer logic. And that just grows and it gets grows wider and wider and wider. You don't even know what's happening. And so the way you kind of close that gap between founder logic and customer logic is, is, is by doing customer support, talking to your customers. They'll tell you really quickly where you suck and it'll keep you on track. It'll keep you building the right things and, and focusing on the right things. That's really neat. So do you have a uh, just a, a pretend name that you go under when you're doing customer service calls or do you, are you calling as you reaching out to customers? How does that work? I have an alias. Yes, uh, I have an alias that I use on our, I actually just use a seat that one of our customer service reps uses. And uh, and because I don't want, I want unvarnished feedback. I want them to really let me have it like they let like like they let our customer service reps have it. And so um that's what I do. And it, it is just a simple thing that keeps me on track, keeps keeps us humbled, keeps us uh focused on the right things. And and you know, as a as a founder, as a CEO, as a manager, whatever you want to call yourself, a lot of times you wear the hat of capital allocator and you have a little bit of money coming in and then you got to figure out what bets to make. Do I do I Put more firepower behind marketing. Do I hire more developers? Do I do more R and D? Do I hire a data analysts? Do I hire a conversion rate optimizer? Where do I make my bets? And if you're self-funded, these bets are really critical. They're like bet the company decisions, particularly in the early days. The only way you know how to make smart bets is by listening to users, listening to customers, and letting that guide your decisioning. And that certainly has been key to our success. 
Wow, great advice. Great advice. And well, this is a great time for us to jump into a transition here a little bit just to talk about our misses, makes, and multipliers that we always ask every guest these questions before they go. And so the first one we like to talk is about a miss or two that's happened and something you learned from it. Ooh, man, you're giving me PTSD on the misses. Uh, what a big miss was when we first launched the company. Uh, here's what I thought. I thought uh, I had the idea for GreenPal, and I thought we could just pay a, a dev shop to build what we thought GreenPal should be, and then my co-founders and I would market it, and we would be off and going. And so we did that. We didn't know how to code, didn't know how to build software. We pulled together 150 grand of our own money. Uh, this was like liquidated 401ks, credit card checks, you know, you name it, to get 150 thousand dollars together. Paid this development shop in Nashville to build what we thought GreenPal should be. It took like nine months to build, launched it, and it was a total flop. Hard to use, buggy, didn't have the features it needed. People hated it. And uh, that was a big miss because we delegated something that we had no idea about. We, we, we delegated too quickly. We delegated from like abjuration. Like you, I don't know how to do this. It scares me. You handle it. That's a recipe for disaster in delegation. So it was a big miss for us, but it was kind of our ticket price to the game. We had to like spend that money and learn that mistake the hard way to understand that we were going to have to develop ourselves as 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 real tech entrepreneurs. And that was a, a long, hard process, but it was one that we had to do to, to get into the game. Wow. What a what a great, uh, I mean, a hard lesson to learn, I'm sure, when you're going through that. Uh, painful, uh, even the, your face, as I saw, re reflecting back on that. Well, let's let's flip it on the other side here. What about a make or two that's that's come along? You've, you've already shared a whole bunch here, but uh, anything else you'd love to share? Big make uh, would be just focusing on one problem, one idea, and just giving it a decade. Like that's that's probably been one of our our I guess points of of uh, I guess you could say secret sauce is that we have focused on one chore. That's lawn mowing, and it's the easiest way in the United States to get this one chore done. A lot of times we you know we've been sidetracked by bright shiny objects and and maybe like you know chasing other opportunities when in fact there was like just so much more opportunity in the one thing that we were good at. And so I think a, a, a good strategy is, is to just double down on what's already working until there's no more of it left. And so we still constitute like less than 1% of the lawn mowing that's occurring in the United States. So we have so much more white space in front of us in this one vertical where we can make it better, quicker, faster, cheaper, more reliable, more consistent. Making this one thing run smoother and smoother and smoother is what we do. And, and uh, that's been a big make for us. It's just focusing on one thing and doing it better than anybody else. Really interesting. Well, and and I'm wondering as I'm listening to your you speak about this, it makes me wonder about some of these uh, guys or gals that maybe are in the same shoes you were in when you started your first lawn care and landscaping company that are maybe just getting started. Um, just curious, have how has GreenPal been able to help some of these maybe just startups, maybe some you know high school kid that's trying to make some side cash that grows into a business? How do, how does that work? How, what have you seen happen there? Yeah, that's really why we do what we do. We offer nice convenience to consumers. You know, they can push a button and get a chore done, right? And it's it's nice. But really why we do what we do is to help folks that want to work hard in a business for themselves, give them an opportunity. And we've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples of that where people will come onto our platform. Maybe they have like this one customer or two customers. And at the end of the first year, they've got a hundred customers and they're running their entire business on top of GreenPal. And 
we've got a Facebook group that we invite all of these folks into where it's got a few thousand of them. And we see these stories being shared inside the group on an ongoing basis. Like, Hey, thank you. Green pals able to buy a new truck or put a kid through school or buy it, put a down payment on a house. That's really why I get out of bed in the morning. It's why my team works hard on what we're working on is because that's what we're in the business of is, is helping small business owners grow and double their business. And, and in a short period of time to make material income, we believe anybody who's willing to work hard should be able to make a good living in this industry. Wow. Well, I, it makes, it reminds me my, when I was a kid, my stepdad, he um, ran a lawn mowing business after nights and weekends after work, he'd go to work and then he'd do this. And uh, he actually used it to buy uh, his, his boat to go boating and the river with. And I think he called it, I think it was called like mowing for it or something. So, you know, nice. yeah, but before the days of green pal, but I, I think of someone like him, that's, you know, looking for that extra cash or just maybe some startup person. It's really, really neat what you're doing. Um, well, let's talk about this idea of a multiplier and we get a wide range of, uh, answers here, but I'm just curious, has there been a multiplier that, that you've used in growing the business? Like a force, force multiplier, like a fulcrum. Yeah. 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 Hire, hiring good people and putting them in the right spots and delegating from a point, from a standpoint of stewardship. So I think as you, are are growing your business where there's just you, you and a helper, you and three people, you and five people, you and 10 people, you, you start off as this generalist and you're doing everything yourself. And you kind of figure out how to do all of these things kind of like 80, 20 good. And as time goes on, you try to put people in those roles. And that's definitely been a multiplier for me. You know, the book, The E-Myth by Michael Gerber is, is a blueprint for this. And, and day one, when you start your business, you should really lay out an org chart. And you might say, well, why do I need to do that? It's just me. But you need to be thinking through that. Like, who's the CEO? Who's chief of marketing? Who's chief of customer service? Who's chief of R&D? Who is chief of, uh, of preventative maintenance for the machinery? Who's chief of all of these different things? It's you. But as time goes on, you get to peel your, your name off some of these roles and assign them to either freelancers, contractors, employees. And, and for me, you know, looking back in the last 10 years of building GreenPal, some of our main inflection points is when I have found a specialist who's really good at one thing and been able to put them in a role where they can just kick ass at it, do it so much better than I could do. But they were starting off with a, with a blueprint that I handed off to them because I did it for a while. And so I think it's like, as time goes on, you do, you're like 80, 20 good at a dozen different things. And then as you make money, you want to put people in these roles that they stay go way deeper on it than you ever could. That's a big force multiplier that, that, that I've seen looking backwards and one that I'm going to keep doubling down on. Like there's, there's uh you know, we're hiring for a, for a data scientist right now. I'm like, just barely like dangerously good at, at, at data analysis, but I need somebody who is really good at it, who can just own it. And we're hiring for that role right now. And, and uh, when you get that right, uh, you'll, you'll note, you'll see it, you'll feel it. it. It definitely like helps the bottom line. It helps you grow the company, helps you achieve goals. And that feels really good. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, a note to any data scientist tuning in, reach out to Brian over at GreenPal. He'd love Brian. to talk to you. Brian at yourgreenpal.com. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, and the final question we'd like to ask every guest is, what does success mean to you? Success means for me, uh, 
having fun doing what I'm doing and, and achieve, setting out goals and knocking them down and also uh, setting up opportunities for folks that are in the game with me. Like that's what success feels like. And, and that could be as small as, you know, running a lawn mowing business and, and going from 50 to hundred customers, like it was 20 years ago, or it could mean going from, from 20 million a year in revenue to 50 to hundred million a year in revenue. Like it does today, like having fun doing what I'm doing. Step one. Uh, and, 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 you know, I've been at this company for 10 years, but I haven't worked a day in 10 years. Like it, I have literally every day done what it is I wanted to do that day. And so to me, that that's the first like in, indicator of that you're living a successful life. You're doing what you want to do. You're having fun doing it. And then, and then like feeling the emotion around setting out a goal and just knocking it down with your team. That's a lot of fun. And then setting out opportunities for those around you, people that use the products that we've built, you know, they, they plug into our platform and they, they're able to make material income. That's fun. That's what success feels like. And then the people like stakeholders, employees, co-founders, they're, they're part of this journey with you and, and success is kind of compounding. That's a lot of fun. That's what success feels like to me. Yeah, uh, amazing. And I love how you shared, you, you talked a little bit about uh, it being a good steward or helping folks, you know, acting as a steward to train, educate, support. So it sounds like this is all part of your plan and process. And just curious, how do you incorporate this stewardship mindset or, or mentality into the business, especially as you're growing, right? You're, you are passing off these important leadership roles to other leaders in your company. So how has that been able to translate through? Yeah, it's a, it's a Tony Robbins quote. Like if you uh, focus on other people's success, you just will be successful. And so that's, I have tried to live as tight to that uh, mantra as I can over the last 20 years. And there's been times in the last 20 years in business that employees that worked for me made more money than I did. Um, some of my first salespeople that I ever hired for years took home more money than I did as the owner of the business. But I knew that if I could just set them up to be successful, that that the company's success and eventually my success would follow that. And that's that's how you know how, how I've looked at running this company. You know, there there have been many, many, many years where the the landscaping services that used our technology took home multiple six figures, in some cases, seven figures a year. And, and, uh, I didn't take a paycheck, you know, like, and so it's like, wow, you know, we're, we're giving all these opportunities for these folks, you know, using our, our, our technology to get new customers and make money when in fact, you know, we're living on rice and beans, but I knew that so long as we could mint and manufacture successful landscape uh, service providers that we eventually would become successful and that's that's how it's uh, taking shape. You know, that's how the first ten years is gone, and I hope the next ten years goes that way too. Wow. Well, and as we bring this to a close, is there anything you are hoping to share that maybe you haven't had a chance to yet? Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, but it was they were interviewing the uh, dude named Mark Andreessen who wrote the first modern day web browser, and he talks about going out to Silicon Valley in 1992. And and having the feeling that like we missed it, all like the technology companies have already owned the space. Apple, IBM, uh, Microsoft, Oracle, these companies owned it all. We missed it. We're too late. And wow, like how funny that is that? Like that was like day one. Like dude invented the web browser. The internet happened. Consumer internet. Everything happened after that. It's like it's just insane. Like it was minute one of day one. And I think as a as an entrepreneur, you can feel that way too. Like you can feel like oh I missed it. 
you know, I miss the gig economy or I miss crypto or I miss SaaS or I missed, you know, and I'm too late. Therefore, I'm stuck. So no reason to get started. And the reality is, is that it always gets bigger. It always gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The market always gets bigger. You didn't miss it. Like get in the game. It's going to take two or three or f- five years just to figure out what the hell you're doing. But it's better to start now because you, you didn't miss it. It's not too late. And, and I, I've, I have felt that way myself. And so that's why I like to try to spread that message that it's not too late. It's going to get bigger. Amazing. Great advice. Well, thank you for being here. I'm so grateful for your time and for being a guest today. And before you go, what's the best way for someone to find out more if they're listening in and just want to learn more about you and your story or maybe be a customer? How can they do that? Yeah. Life's too short to cut your own grass. Focus on your business. So download Green Pal in the App Store or Play Store. And anybody wants to get at me, uh, Instagram is where I spend all my time on social. Hit me up at Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there. I'll hit you back. Great. And that's Brian with a Y, M. Clayton. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Brian, thank you so much for being a guest here on the show. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So takeaway number one is when Brian talked about being bootstrapped to start and launch both of his businesses, and especially this most recent venture that he's involved with. And he said that being bootstrapped and not taking investor money allowed them to focus on how to build a product or a service that appealed and worked for the customer. And he talked about, I thought it was interesting how when he you take investor money, sometimes the leader may be tempted to just ignore or burn through cash to kind of get through some of these trouble spots. And when you're bootstrapping it, you can't quite afford to do that. So I thought that was great. And he said he stayed in his home market for four years until he figured out a way to do it well before he started going nationally and starting to expand. Takeaway number two is to focus on one problem or in this case, focus on one chore and double down on it until there, until it's working and there's no more market left. And then focus on that one thing and do it better than anyone else. Kind of this whole idea of focus here that Brian was talking about and the things that he's he has done to make him successful. And takeaway number three is this idea of founder logic and customer logic that Brian was talking about. I thought this was a really cool concept. I haven't really heard anyone talk about it in quite this way. And he said, close the gap by talking with your customers. And he said, all too often, founders, entrepreneurs, the innovators, sometimes lose sight of staying connected to that customer. And so you get that kind of founder logic and you start ignoring that customer logic. And so one of the things he said he does is he spends at least an hour every day talking to customers through their customer service department and he uses an alias. I thought that was brilliant. So great idea, great suggestions there. And now it's time for today's win-win. And today's win-win is that it's never too late. You did not miss your opportunity to make it happen. And I thought that was a really great takeaway out of this. He said, if you if you ever feel like you missed it, the reality is you haven't. The market is still there. And he said, it's not too late. The market is going to keep growing. And remember, it's going to take you 
two to five years to kind of figure this out anyway. And that's just something for you to think about as you're getting into maybe your franchising your business, like we work with our clients through. It's going to take a few years to start figuring out this new business you're getting into. And whether that's franchising or whether that's just a new business segment, a new product line you're adding, or just a totally new business venture. And so that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.